Hi, and welcome into You Mean the SEC. I'm Ben with Brittany. That's right. And what are we here to do today? What are we here to do today? I think we're going to talk some football. Wow, really? <laughs> That's exciting news. I know. No, this is what we do, and we have uh, decided as we enter the um, the summer months that the best thing maybe we could do to kind of introduce ourselves and to fulfill the mission of which we try to fulfill is to try to uh, create a... I don't know how, what's the word that we want to use? Well, I have a word, but you don't like yeah, it. Yeah, I don't like the word. You use the word primer, and I feel like I'm a 1935 <laughs> student. But it, in the, I don't in know. Where? where? I, do I really they, don't I know. think it makes sense, because that's what I feel like these are, is these are primers on each of the team. What do I need to know going into this next season? When I see Missouri football, What? where are they? How, long, how long is my nap? going to be. <laughs> no, no, it's a good point because I think a lot of new SEC fans will watch a game just for what they see and mm-hmm. they're just seeing a game and they don't really know the context behind it. But mm-hmm. I feel like one of the more important things to help you because, you know, movies or TV series where you know a little bit behind the scenes of what's going on, it brings so much more value to what you're watching. So that's where we're wanting to create these episodes where we basically walk through where has each of the 14 programs been in the last 10 or so years. Right. And honestly, I would say not even for like new SEC fans. I would say maybe for like people who just don't remember or get the facts mixed up. And I might be talking about myself here or had two babies in the last 10 years. And I, well, some blank seasons yes, in my well, mind. Well, let's be careful. Don't, don't rely on us for facts. Yes, that's okay. true. But just kind of memories of like where are these programs at and what is going on. So what we did is we basically we did the most scientific thing possible and that's have a random draw uh, to decide the order of the 14 teams and as the show summary and title might suggest we are starting we are blessed to be starting with the Shakespearean drama that is uh, Tennessee football this is a good place to start I think it is I mean you have the highs well not very much Sorry, but you have many lows, Mm -hmm. but you have the promise and the desire for highs. And I think that makes the lows even more painful. It's just, I mean, it's such a storied program with such a large overarching narrative that even if the last 10 years has not reflected that, which news flash has not, um, it's made the overall narrative and story of Tennessee football that much richer. So what we're going to do is look at briefly kind of the the nuts and bolts. We're going to look at a brief, uh, and this isn't like we're not telling you every fact or or game or record here, but we're just generally going to run through first like the 2010s, like overall record, who are their coaches, some of their notable players, and just give you a sense of, of, again, where they have been broadly. Uh, And again, we'll do that for each program in each episode. After that, we'll look at last year specifically, the 10-game SEC schedule, and just some overall issues and events that occurred for uh, each team. We'll then have a section where we look at superlatives. I'm excited about that part. Mm -hmm. We'll look at each program's worst moment of the decade, their best moment, and their top rival. Mm -hmm. And then we'll close with uh, kind of a look ahead. Uh, to what 2021 might bring, what the challenges might be, what a reasonable expectation for a win total might be as well. And, of course, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll build on that 
in future episodes, but we also want to kind of just give a glimpse ahead of, uh, and a peek ahead of what that might look like. So why don't you, Brittany, why don't you give us an idea? Tennessee, the last 10 years, what has it been like? It's been meh. It's kind of had meh. So really, you gotta you got to start with 2010. And I would even argue that even before 2010, we need to build in just why are Tennessee fans the way they are in their expectations. Right. So you have, oh gosh, how many years of Phil Fulmer as the head coach? A lot. A lot. A lot. Oh, 92 to 2008. Right. Of Phil Fulmer, who's just legendary there. And you got a national championship in 1998 with him. Mm -hmm. You got... Peyton Manning, yes. right, in the 90s. you got a, actually a really storied program in the 90s. Growing up, my context for the SEC East was the big three, and that was Florida, Tennessee, and Georgia. So for me, it was it is natural for Tennessee fans to expect them to be in the hunt to go to a, a SEC championship game because that's where, in my mind, that's where Tennessee should be. Right. And they were a great, you know, not the Greatest program, but historically, Johnny Majors, before Phil Fulmer, mm-hmm. they were an extremely successful uh, program then, too. And you mentioned 1998, the year after Peyton Manning went to the NFL, winning the national championship, beating Florida State, I think, in the national title game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's kind of where Tennessee was. And even for the next 10 years under Fulmer, they were always contending um, and at the end of the Fulmer years, they start to drop off a little bit, and that brings us to 2010. Now, the one year we won't cover, 20, uh, 2009, was the Lane Kiffin year. Which is why I said we need to begin with January 12, 2010. And why do we start in that Because day? that is when Lane Kiffin left. Do you think a coach has a right to just spend a year at a school and then just up and go? <sighs> I mean, under... I don't think so. I don't think so. I think that you got to give them at least two years. You know, like I think that even if it's your dream school of USC, right? And, you know, I think that that was just really fishy. I mean, there's so much fishy about that situation. Yeah. That it wasn't just because you and USC came calling. I wonder if there was maybe some bad beef. Well, there were a lot of things happening under the table. And if you read more details about the, the, the era of Lane Kiffin. I don't know if I can use the word era, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Uh, but the year with Lane Kiffin, how there were a lot of possible uh, shady violations occurring. Um, and we'll we'll come back to that word shady violations right. in well, about ten years after that. You're right. There's a lot of shade happening mm-hmm. in that sense. But you know, it's a it's a I, I don't know if it's you know you we we live in a culture where everything is year to year. You're not going to see as many coaches. I think. You know, Saban has been at Alabama for now about 13, 14 mm-hmm. years. But it's like the idea that he has been there that long, like it's so rare that you see a coach stay at one place for so long. I think that's a product, first of all, the pressure that uh, all SEC programs face, with probably the exception of Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. But even they, like Derek Mason, who has had moderate success there after five or so years, has been fired. So, like, I think coaches know that they, like – they know that their path can always be and their career arc can be overturned with like a bad result. Mm-hmm. And, and so Lane Kiffin had a decent first year 
in Knoxville. He knows maybe if the next year he goes four and eight, five and seven, then that's going to hurt his ability to get a dream job. So I, maybe it is. Maybe coaches are fine for jumping the ship after one year. That's right, but you know that's not Lane Kiffin's only uh, controversial move, I should say. No, so in his personality, no. But, but for Tennessee, I think it served in. And this was before the 2010s. It served as a kind of a warning sign of where the program was. Yeah. Because Southern Cal was one of the best programs in the 2000s. Right. For sure, especially the first part of the decade. Uh, and Tennessee was not. And and even at that point, Tennessee is, is kind of shown at that point, you know, after having Fulmer for, what, almost 17, 18 years, they may not be the program that they thought they were. Mm-hmm. Uh, to to be bypassed for one year. Mm-hmm. Now again, maybe you don't put too much stock in that because that's Lane, just Lane Kiffin, just one coach. But they make the decision to hire uh, the son of another SEC legend, and that was Mr. Derek Dooley. That's right. And you know, it was really hard for me as a Georgia fan to really not like Tennessee those two years <laughs> because I really want good things for Derek Dooley, but he just, it didn't show. He seemed like a very likable guy. I know. Just looking at it. I remember thinking, like, I want you to get all your stuff out in Tennessee and then, like, in 10 years come and coach Georgia to, like, victory. It would just be a beautiful story to yeah. me. Well, the son of the, the, the coach, I mean, it is. But it, it didn't really end up too well. It didn't. It did not. He only stayed there for two years or three, two or three years. And then Butch Jones came 2013. Yeah. So Butch Jones was hired uh, after Dooley was fired at the near the end of his third year. Clearly not a successful tenure. Went 15 and 21. So Butch Jones was hired from Cincinnati. Uh, and he had been a very, uh, very kind of a rising star, led Cincinnati to success. And the thing with the Butch Jones era, and this is where I think it just, certainly it's half the decade, um, he was the only of these three coaches that coached Tennessee with a winning record. Mm-hmm. Uh, he led Tennessee to some very successful seasons, uh, a couple non-win seasons, I believe. Mm-hmm. Two. Yeah, and yet, uh, again, goes out in a disappointing fashion. Yeah, like a... I, that's a kind way to say it. It's disappointing fashion. I think it was kind of a dumpster fire that 2017. They went four and eight. Well, and speaking of dumpster fires, they, I believe it was in the Bush Jones era where you know that Miami and all these other schools that come up with like turnover chains and things like mm-hmm. that. Well, Tennessee had a turnover trash can. Oh, what does that mean? That can means, you explain that more? That means when a defensive player got a turnover Mm -hmm. that he basically then was you know where some of these other programs they had like the chain that they put on so tennessee had like a a literal trash can that the the player had like a tiny like bathroom trash can no no no. we're talking about a like a a kind of a like a industrial industrial like cafeteria trash can cafeteria size trash do they get in the trash can well i don't just like carry around like a janitor they carry it around and like put it on their shoulders and get it up in the air with their hands like they just don't care i mean it was an exciting moment for them i guess they're like taking out the trash is that what it was you know that it's i'm not sure what the the reasoning was but but there's some i don't know if that would get me pumped if i had like a really awesome move in my career and someone's like here's a trash can that's right uh to to celebrate your your (laughs) Great turnover, great chain. I'd be like, that's right. It'd probably be a lot more, more popular. But anyway, so and then probably the most iconic moment of the Bush Jones era um, is that after a loss, 
he made a um and when asked i think the context was now again facts don't really matter here but i think the context was that tennessee had just lost out they were having a really good year they lost their chance to go to the sec uh championship game Mm -hmm. i think either georgia or florida had just clinched the division uh at that point i think it was florida uh, and he makes a statement at, at a reporter asks a question about how they, you know, wouldn't be champions of the division. Mm-hmm. And Bush Jones makes a comment that, well, his team were the champions of life. Oh, okay. It's just tough. Yeah. It's just tough. What does that mean? What does it mean? If I, mean, I called I honestly, you the champion of life, like, what, how would you take that? I would be like, I'm not playing that board game right now. How do you know that I won? <laughs> <laughs> I think about the game of life. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I don't know. Did I pass go? That's Monopoly. That's it's a Monopoly, to- totally yeah. different game. We have played that in a while. But it, it you know, so, well, like, people, people really took that as a mocking way. Yeah, Absolutely. Okay. So it, it really showed, again, like, Tennessee is not, even though they were having successful years winning eight nine games and kind of the best mm-hmm. run of the bush jones era it still was not it, it was it was something was just off like the and expectations you know, and a lot of that was just bush jones being bush jones right and that, still. and that was kind of my point too is you know in those years they didn't really put up the wins but they had some really good talent on their team yeah they did and like that to me is like, hmm, if you have that kind of talent and that kind of recruiting and you're not putting up the wins, that's coaching. Yeah. You know, like right. a lot of the last 10 years has been a coaching issue. Yeah. Not a recruiting issue, not a player issue. Yeah. Um, the name Tennessee that allowed them to consistently um, recruit top 25 classes, yeah. top 20, top 15 classes. Even though that orange, they still want to come. <laughs> yeah. But uh, and that's just from a fashion perspective, not oh, of a Georgia bias perspective. Of course, of there. course. So Butch Jones was fired late into the uh, 2017 year. Uh, Piper's eating this rabbit again. Stop it, Piper. Um, and late in the 2017 year, he was let go. Uh, we'll talk about in a minute, or at least I'll bring up kind of the process of how it looked really good for Tennessee, and then it really went all wrong very quickly. Uh, but then they hired Jeremy Pruitt who was a defensive coordinator at Alabama. Now, mm-hmm. listen, here's the deal. Like, Nick Saban um, assistant. Right. And he was the defensive coordinator at Georgia right. for a while, too. So this guy has coached extremely talented and extremely successful defenses. And it seemed that, I mean, this, he's also hired in the mold of how Kirby Smart mm-hmm. by 2000. Late 2017 has has moved Georgia in a direction where they had not been mm-hmm. for about a decade. So you're thinking, okay, now Tennessee's going to kind of play. Good hire. I thought it was too, especially I, it, after the hiring fiasco, which you'll get into later. That was a really good hire, right? Um, so I think that this, uh, yeah, after that's actually, uh, that's another story for another day is that process. Oh, but, are you uh, not going to get into that? I wasn't going to talk about that. No, not today. Oh, okay. No. Yeah. I, I feel like that's a story that the hiring of Jeremy Pruitt. Yeah. Uh, that could be a result. whole nother podcast, but like, And yeah. we dream it to be one day. Too. Right. And after Butch Jones, there was a panic about 
Greg who they would, and then Shiano. they have the great Greg Shiano dumpster fire, which hopefully we'll get into another. So lots day. of dumpster fire references. That's there, two already. Me in Tennessee in the last ten years is uh, what you're asking me to talk look, about. Tough for not so, but tough I mean, they look. like their AD had to quit, and then that's when Phil Fulmer came in. Right, as athletic director. As, as AD right. to kind of fix things, and he and hired he hired Jeremy Pruitt. Jeremy so Pruitt. he very much tied himself to Jeremy Pruitt. Right. And it looked like at the end of the 2019 season, it looked like Tennessee was getting there. Because right. they started 2019 with Pruitt losing losing to Georgia State. Right. They lost to BYU. Uh, it, was just a, it was just a horrible start to the year. End the year winning six straight, beat Indiana, a good Indiana team mm -hmm. in the bowl game, mm -hmm. uh, and then that led them to 2020. Right, which I found this article, which was pre-2020 season, where Tennessee was ranked number 25, uh, 25th in the nation. And they were like, listen, guys, last, time, last two times we were ranked 25th, exactly 25th in the nation. It ended terribly. Hmm. And one of them was one of the Butch Jones years. I think it might have been the, his last year. And then another time was before, I think maybe in the early 2000s. And I was thinking like, and they're like, could this be a dumpster fire year? And it was. Yes. And it was. Yes. The curse of 25. Yeah, I guess so. Apparently. Um, so Jeremy Pruitt is, is uh, just... Just so we know. Spoiler. Uh, 2020 does not go well for Tennessee. We'll talk about that more later. But they have hired Josh Heupel, who was the coach at uh, Central Florida. They also hired Danny White uh, to be the new athletic director, uh, mm -hmm. who also came from Central Florida. So we're okay. UCF North. Uh, Alex Foolish, their offensive coordinator, is also from UCF. Well, there we go. Bring them all in. And then they got Tim Banks, their D coordinator from uh, Penn State. Okay. so Which are all good Penn programs. State's always a very consistent yeah. defense. Uh, maybe not last year. But um, in any case, Tennessee uh, is set up for a very, very – we'll get into more of that later. Talk about what uh, next year will bring. Um, you want to move into 2020? Well, we're good. we got to talk about their players. As well. So okay, the, the so yeah. Key players that Tennessee's have. Over All right, the last so tell me years. some players you remember from the last 10 years. Well, I think as a as a Kentucky fan, which usually ends poorly against Tennessee uh, for a variety of reasons, but it seems, you know, you always with key players, you have to start with quarterback. Mm -hmm. And they have one of their best quarterbacks in program history. Right. And Josh Dobbs. Yeah. And I love Josh Dobbs, by the way. Josh Dobbs and Smokey. The dog. Yes. I love both of them, and it hurts me to love them because they're why, always in Why did you love Josh Dobbs? I don't know. I think it was – I truly just think it was his face. Oh. Like, he, he a very looked lovable so, face. He did. He looked yeah. like a good kid, and he was yeah. good, too. He was also very smart. Yeah. This is the detail that they brought to every Tennessee game, uh, <laughs> is that he was like an aeronautical engineer. Well, that there you never, go. That, that may not be right. But he was he, His major was rockets. Okay. You know, it was Not communications. He was a rocket scientist <laughs> playing uh, – well, that's a shout uh, or a, a <laughs> shout out to communications. Uh, you know, man. you know what I mean. Oh yeah, tough times for communications majors all around. Um, I mean, I guess technically I was a communications major, wasn't I? Magazines, journalism, it's a kind of communication. <laughs> anyway, Josh Dobbs, he ended uh, one of his seasons uh, tied first with most touchdowns in a season, with uh, tied with some other quarterback uh, named Manning. Uh, third all-time in passing yards, second in overall touchdowns. Uh, he was the engine that made Butch Jones go. 
Yeah. Uh, I think he that, kept in Brooks Jones there. <laughs> probably so. But he was a very successful dual threat quarterback. He's had some time in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, so he is quarterback uh, for Tennessee was successful. And you could argue, you know, while Dobbs was successful, you know, the last three or so years they tried with Jared Garitano and mm-hmm. it just did not work out. Yeah. And, uh, and that was for Jeremy Pruitt, the, the quarterback that, you know, did not bring success. Uh, Garitano, I believe, is now in Washington State. So you got Josh Dobbs. Um, one of the other players I'll bring up, uh, his name is Derek Barnett, mm-hmm. a defensive end. From the same, about the same years of Dobbs, 2014 to 2016, uh, defensive end, he broke Reggie White, who's an NFL Hall of Famer. Okay, one of the greatest uh, defensive ends to ever play the game. Mm-hmm. Broke his school record for sacks in three seasons. And one of the cool things about that is that he ended up, I think, with 34 sacks, and all but six of them was against the SEC competition. So this isn't a guy who just, you know, you know, rush the quarterback against when they play like Middle Tennessee or, you know, mm-hmm. so, uh, kind of a uh, lower power school. He made so many of those big plays against um, quality competition. 52 tackles for losses. So Derek Barnett, he's also had a successful pro career. So Dobbs and Barnett, probably the two most successful players of the last. Uh, I would also add in there Tyler Bray. Okay. I feel, like, I feel like he kind of gets overlooked because jo- of Dobbs, not Jobs. That's so. Was Tyler Bray the quarterback after Dobbs? No, before. Or was he before? Mm-hmm. Okay, he was more. He was in the Dooley era, so like twenty ten to twenty twelve. Okay, but he did. I mean, I don't have his stats in front of me, but um, like I feel like he kind of gets overlooked. But he he had a. I mean, those are some pretty good years quarterback wise. Yeah. For them, so. Uh, I don't have anybody else. Well, I'll give you one more. Okay, give me one more. Okay, Trey Smith, who was an offensive lineman, highly, highly recruited, Mm -hmm. uh, was a freshman All-American, first team All-SEC his freshman year. And then during his sophomore year, he missed most of the the year because he was fighting blood clots. Oh, wow. Uh, And then was able to, like, move back or come back and overcome those health problems. Um, And he became All-SEC again. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving back, he, he was like started at guard and then moved to tackle and back to guard again. So he's moving all over the place. Great story, overcoming adversity. Trey Smith over the last uh, you know five or so years in the SEC, very cool story. One other player that, and this kind of marked like the, if you had to say the incompetence of the Butch Jones there, this was probably it, Alvin Kamara, mm-hmm. who's now an all-pro player for the New Orleans Saints in the National Football League, otherwise mm-hmm. known as the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um was uh, a backup for Tennessee. Wow. And was never used really effectively. He's right. He's arguably the best pass-catching running back in the NFL and was never really used effectively. And now I, I, I kind of get annoyed sometimes when, when people are like, with players, they do well in the pros, they're like, why do they do like that in college? Their coach in college must be terrible. Mm-hmm. Well, like, players do get better. Right. You know, at the pro level. Right. So I get annoyed. And that. pro ball is different than college ball. Absolutely. Right. Different rules can accentuate different strengths of different players. Right. Well, didn't you just blame Butch Jones for that, though? I, I did. I was going to say I'm going against my own okay. like, criticism. I was about to say, wait, are you contradicting yourself? I totally am. But, okay. uh, but Kamara, you feel like that one really is on Butch Jones. Well, I mean, it just kind of adds to the narrative. Yeah, it does. Uh, You're right. That's that, not the only one. Right. That he uh, just, just was not used as effectively as possible. He might have been there in the... the uh, Pruitt year, 
Nah, I don't think so. I think he was already gone. Okay. But again, facts are option. Right. <coughs> okay. Uh, all right, let's talk about 2020. All right. How did Tennessee do in 2020? Not great. Not great. No, Not great. they had a 3-7 and seven record. Remember now, in case y'all didn't remember, 2020 was a different season. They, what happened during 2020? <laughs> so Were there they, any world events? There was. Nope. There was a thing called COVID. It's Ugh. a miracle that we had a season, and I'm thankful for it. Okay? I'm thankful for what we got. So, But we only played conference play, which is tough in the SEC. Yes, right? unless you're Alabama. Unless you're Alabama, but that's not this week. Okay? This yeah, week is right. Tennessee, that's and right. it was tough. It is okay? Tennessee. So they only had three wins. So, and do you know what those wins are? I, I'm looking at them right now. Okay, I was going to get you to guess. Okay. I well, bet you could guess anyway. It's the it's the, 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 the three uh, other small teams in the SEC East. Yep, South Carolina, Vandy, and Mizzou. Although Mizzou had a good year, so they weren't really small. And then um, since everybody, because COVID is uh, upward play, everybody got a, got a bowl invite, right? Yes. So yes. they got invited to the Liberty Bowl. And then COVID. And then they get canceled. And then they get canceled because someone got tested positive for COVID. Yeah. So it really who did. Are, who are they going to play in the nah, Liberty Bowl? Nah, nah. I don't know. Oh, I can't who remember. Who was it? West Virginia? That's not right. I, I honestly, I didn't have it written down. I don't remember. Maybe it was West Virginia. I, I mean, I feel like, you know, with that 2020 season, started off ranked 25th, a lot of hope, going off that Indiana high, like that bowl win, Indiana high. Yep. And then it just ends in chaos. Well, you know, here's the thing. They, they, they start the season winning at South Carolina, which is, you know, South Carolina ended up being trash. But, right. But at the beginning you know, of the, the season, you, didn't, you never know you never South know. Carolina. You never know. So, And then they won, They beat Missouri, who ended up being pretty good. So they're 2-0. and And then they go to Athens. Yeah. And if you remember, and Tennessee at this point is up to 14th. So you got a ball nation, right, at this point. that You know, they, they win six in a row in 2019. They've won two. You've got eight in a row now mm -hmm. that you've won. And you're like, mm -hmm. oh, we're back. We're back. Mm -hmm. Right? Pruitt's got us here. We're going to go to Athens. We're going to, you know, we're going to beat Georgia. And not even that. Remember, they were winning at halftime. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that. I do. Tennessee was winning at halftime over Georgia, who at that point was ranked third. Right. Uh, and then the second half happened. And then the rest of the season happened because after the Georgia game, they go back home and play Kentucky mm -hmm. and Kentucky beats them 34 to seven. Right. That was not even close. Kentucky's first win in Knoxville since 1984. It's been a while. It was a happy day in our house. Oh, Maybe listen, not. In listen, I didn't get to watch that game because I was uh, parenting, <laughs> but then I took the score at the end of the game and I was be excited about what was going on. But then the, you lose, and then the next week <laughs> you play Bama, and then you lose at Arkansas, at Auburn, lose to Florida, beat Vandy, and then lose to Texas A&M at the end of the year. So yeah. Pruitt was not fired immediately uh, because... Uh, it seemed like three and seven, you know, it's COVID year. It's right. I mean, you kind of maybe I, have some grace. Right. But no. Do you know anything about what happened starting mid-January? So mid-January, I remember hearing some rustles that things in Tennessee were not kosher. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> some rustles. Some rustles. Some rustling. <laughs> rustling. Some there. rustling that things yeah. were not, not kosher at Tennessee. Right. And then Pruitt gets fired, right? I mean, pretty immediately. Yeah, so they... I remember there was, like, talk first, and then he gets fired. Right, so there was, like, reports of major violations right. that had occurred. Uh, recruiting violations um, and other violations in, in the program. And, you know, you can kind of look at it in many different ways. And what some people look at it is, was the Tennessee 
brass was not happy. They had a new president come in, new chancellor. They were not happy with the way the program was being run. They just went three and seven. Um, so they may or may not have used those violations admitting to them as justification to fire uh, Jeremy Pruitt. But those violations were not great. Oh, no, they're, they're bad. And I've, Tennessee is going to likely face a period of prolonged probation. Right. And it just does not seem, there, there does not seem to be any end of the rainbow in sight. Now, mm -hmm. Heupel, who they hired from UCF, runs an extremely pass-heavy offense. Okay. So always when you bring in a new coach who throws the ball over the place, it's going to be exciting. Yeah. Right? You're going to put up 45 points a game. They're not going to stop anybody. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll get into 2021 here in a minute. Their best defensive player left for Alabama. Yeah. Um, it, it, so it, it's they're in a period of transition. Right. And they've been there since Fulmer left. Right. I mean, so, like, at the beginning of 2021, you got Pruitt fired, and that takes most of your a lot of your staff away. Right. Then you have this portal, the the transfer, transfer portal, portal yeah. that everybody's still figuring out how to deal with and how to coach and, manage. and how to coach and roster manage. Oh, absolutely. And then Fulmer leaves too. Among all of this, I don't know the order of it, but yeah. all that is happening at the same time. It really feels, it almost feels post Kiffin. Like that was such a dramatic thing that happened when Lane Kiffin died. Yeah. They like burned mattresses. Did you say he died? <laughs> <laughs> Guys, breaking news: Lane Kiffin. Rest in peace. <laughs> well, they're gonna be, in they're, the, in the what, city of Knoxville. They're going to be surprised is. when he shows up with the whole mess later this year. <laughs> they're like, what the heck? We thought he was dead. <laughs> when he left. Okay. He left the East Coast. Um, that it almost feels like that, you know, where it's just like, just like, it's like a blow up. And now we're starting from scratch. There seems the to be. the ashes of Phoenix Wright. And really at any time. There are half of the SEC teams and programs seem to be in disarray. Like right. at any given time, you right. go to any year. Like really, if you look at like long term stability of SEC programs right now, I mean, Bama obviously. Mm -hmm. Who else? Are there any other Texas A&M? Mm -hmm. um, I would probably put Kentucky in there. Mm -hmm. Georgia. Mm -hmm. um, Florida ish. Dan Mullen new contract mm -hmm. extension today. That's right. Um, Tennessee has not been in that position for 12, 15 years. And right. I think it's, you've got to have a coach. And I think they were there. They were there in the middle of the Butch Jones era. They were there. And I'm going to talk in a minute uh, as we look at our superlatives. Like when I think that kind of crashed or began to crash, mm -hmm. uh, it's just like, this is a program that cannot get out of its own way. Right. And knows what it can be, but isn't mature enough to take the necessary steps. It's it's almost like they're trying to get back to the 90s through shortcuts. Mm -hmm. And they're not willing to um, build a program consistently uh, to overcome even some hurdles and, and take their medicine, mm -hmm. like understanding and have the the humility to say that we are not a top level SEC program. I still don't know if Tennessee fans mm -hmm. have embraced that, mm -hmm. and I don't know. It, I think just to build something new, if you're continually trying to build what you have, it's, it's not going to happen. So, mm -hmm. like maybe Hypel is that answer. 
to try to build something new. But we've been, you know, maybe it was Butch Jones, maybe it was jo- uh, Jeremy Pruitt. So it's got to be exhausting for the Tennessee fan. You know, you want to yeah. be excited about a new coach. You want to like get behind the hype. But you know, this has been. <laughs> you got Kiffin, Dooley, yeah. Jones. You know, right? And ironically, for Tennessee fans, it's Tennessee's men's basketball. You know, their women's basketball program with Pat Summit right. for so long was one of the two best programs in their day. You know, they're a mid-level SEC team now. Yeah, uh, it's the men's basketball team that's actually the most consistent right now because they have been at the you know, the top four of the SEC for the last uh, five or six years. Right. It seems so. Right. Uh, so that's kind of where we're looking just a, a 2020 recap. We have a, a section here we're going to do on superlatives where we talk about uh, each team's worst moment, uh, their best moment, and top rival, and then we'll look ahead to 2021. So my phone is going off. Where is that? I don't know. Oh, it's right in front of me. I'm looking at it. <laughs> like, my phone is going off. I don't know where it like is. It from another It was. Part of the it was house, like way over there. Yeah. Okay. So, which which do you... Let's start with their best moment. Okay. I don't... This is my... Okay. You know what I mean? I'm going first. Yeah, go okay. What is uh, Tennessee's this best is, <laughs> This is my least favorite moment, though. Oh, I know where you're going with this. <laughs> 2016. Yes. UGA. I mean, this was like... Prime Kirby Kirby Smart is here, right? Was he there? I don't think. Yeah, 2015 was his first year. No, he wasn't there yet. Was he? Yes, he went there in 2015. Yes, he's been there for so long. Yes, that cannot be right. Now you're making me look back at my notes, <laughs> but I really do think he's been there since 2015. Yes, 2015. Why am I even checking? I know that's right. Okay. Okay. Yes. So Kirby Smart is his second year. No, that can't be. Stop it! Now you're gonna make me. Okay, I don't know what. It doesn't matter. That is right. Okay. <laughs> you want to Google it real fast while I tell the uh, story? Google. Kirby Smart um, years. So, yeah. So, this, so, they were in Athens. I don't even really want to retell the story, but it was a very close game at the end. Juan Jennings catches a Hail Mary and wins the game, and it was absolutely terrible slash wonderful for Tennessee fans. That's their best moment. I am done. Thank you. I vividly remember. <laughs> Everything about that story was painful for you. It was. I just wanted to get it out there. I vividly remember watching that. We had some friends over to our house. and Oh, that you, was your, that game. Your friend, oh, my gosh. Your, I'm sorry. I just remembered where I was your, physically. Your, your friend, Abby, friend of a show. Shout out to Abby. <laughs> She was, uh, she like said something like, oh, who caught it? That's exciting. <laughs> I, and then you're yes. like falling in a pit of misery. Oh my gosh. I remember I think at that sitting point I was starting to laugh. on the couch and there's all these Kentucky fans coming into my house yeah. to watch a Kentucky game. I don't even remember who y'all played uh, after me. Not really. Um, and I was like sitting there watching this as like the lone Georgia fan. I remember just like crumbling and like, I think I had to go to the back for a little bit. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. Because I was like, this was, oh gosh, well, this definitely was their best moment. <laughs> Is that the same game that Smokey was wrapped up in a blanket? No, I, I don't think so. Oh, okay. <laughs> that was also their best moment, <laughs> by the way, was getting that shot of Smokey wrapped up in the orange blanket. Yeah, that was good. All right, what about you? Best moment. My best moment. I put that, but that was like my number two. My best moment is is in that Outback Bowl at the end of the 2015 season. Uh, they beat... Uh, Number 12, Northwestern, now by bowl, like 42 to 6. Something crazy. They just crushed them. And that was a six-game winning streak. Mm-hmm. And it was it was kind of – it's funny how that would be the same story that was mirrored by Jeremy Pruitt's team when they beat Indiana. In the, I think it was the Outback Bowl. 
2019. So it, it seemed at that point, 2016, it seemed that um, they were back. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it looked like Tennessee under Bush Jones was becoming a national power yeah. again. Which leads me to the worst moment. Okay. So my worst moment, I have a couple, but I'm... I mean, there's so many. I know. Because you could even consider, like, off-the-field stuff, too. Right. That's true. So, like, I put the fact that I came across where they haven't beaten a top-10 team since 2006. That is insane. 2006, That's insane. I graduated high school. <laughs> they haven't beaten a top-10 team mm -hmm. in 15 years. Yeah. That's nuts. And it's not like they don't play any. Right. Because at any point, Florida or Georgia will be ranked up there. That's right. They play Alabama every year. Right. Uh, and they play probably one other team from the from the West who might be decent. Mm -hmm. That is crazy. And then, you know, I also just put the entire season of 2017. <laughs> it's It was, it was, it was deemed Jones, yeah. the worst season in school history. <laughs> yeah. four, four and eight, zero and yeah. eight in the SEC. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. not a COVID year, y'all. Yeah, that's if, just a regular year. Even Kentucky beat them. Right. So uh, those are kind of my worst moments. Yeah, for sure. Mine is, my worst moment is where I think it all turned. Uh, so you, you beat 2016 to beat, or 15, it would have been New Year's Day 2016. They beat Northwestern. Six-game winning streak. They start the next year 5-0. and And had some like crazy wins along the way to get to that point. Um, and it seemed like there was this magic about Tennessee. Because they were 5-0. and They had risen to be, I think, number nine in the country. Uh, undefeated 5-0. and They go to A&M. And they play Texas A&M. It was ranked number eight. Uh, and they're down like... 17 points or something like that. Double digits in the fourth quarter. They come back, tie the game. It goes to overtime. Now, here's the thing. You have to realize this. Tennessee, uh, if they win this game, they'll be 6-0. and They play Alabama the next week. Mm. And I think that game was in Knoxville. Could you imagine? Like, you bring in the game day would be there. Mm -hmm. Game day may have been there anyway, for all I know. Uh, and then just the anticipation knowing that they hadn't beat Bama in like 10 years. Like, right. this is like... The moment we are here again. They ended up losing to AM in double overtime, um, which happens, right? The kind of the magic had, had wound down and, and, and run down. They lose to Alabama the next week. Uh, and then after that, that next week, they lose to South Carolina. Mm. So that's three straight losses. They end the season nine and four, which is not bad. Right. But one of those losses uh, was to Vandy. At the end of the year, and Vandy was not good mm -hmm. that year. Uh, they ended up winning the Music City Bowl. Um, that was the year, I believe, that the Champions of Life was uttered mm -hmm. uh, right at the end of the year when they kind of lost out to Florida to get to go to the SEC title game. But then 2017 was the next year. So mm -hmm. I think that night in College Station was the worst moment because it was like it was there. Mm -hmm. They had they would have had they would have lost to Bama anyway, but they could have had a moment then. Let's say you lose to Bama, beat South Carolina, maybe lose one more game the rest of the year, go 10-2, and two, go to Sugar Bowl. Mm -hmm. But no. And I think that they're a long way from getting back to that mark. Yeah. Yeah. That's really poignant, I would it's say. It's a good word choice. It is a good word choice. It's kind of sad, too. Because, you know, yeah, it is. And I think, but, you know, that's what I love about the narrative of college football is those little moments. Like, Yep. They define programs. They define yeah. careers. It's crazy. Um just uh, just one game, what could have been. Right. All right, let's talk about rivals. So in the past 10 years, who do you feel like has been 
Tennessee's biggest okay. rival. Okay, I think this is... I think when you talk Tennessee football, I think there's three teams that stand out. Okay. Uh, as they're, they're like prominent rivals. Right. They, obviously, Alabama, mm-hmm. third Saturday in October. They haven't beaten Alabama since 2006. Right. So, I don't think you can call that their top rival if they beat you all the time. Right. Not in the last 10 years. Right. And you then think about Florida. Tennessee-Florida game is a massive game every year. It usually is in September. It's usually that first game. It always was that first SEC on CBS game. But it's not anymore. You know why? Because Tennessee's only beaten Florida once since 2004. Man. And, that, and Florida has not been great that right. whole time, right? The last right. 10 years, Florida's been fairly average. <clears throat> um, and then you think about Georgia as a third. I think a, a, a distant third rival. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've only beaten Georgia twice since 2009, and one of those was that Hail Mary. Right. So I don't know if Tennessee can call any of their three rivals their top rival. Mm -hmm. I think, and this is going to hurt, it's going to really hurt, I think their top rival is either, I'm not going to go really low for them, but I'm going to say it's Kentucky. And I think that's a a prominent indicator of how far they've fallen, is that they are now down, and I could have said Vandy, but I think... I won't say that, but I could because Vandy has actually beat Kentucky more in the last decade than than uh, than than Tennessee. Tennessee, where uh, the, Ken- the train has left the station. Vandy has beaten Tennessee more in the last decade than oh, Kentucky. Okay. Has. I thought you said Vandy has beaten Kentucky more. No, no that's not right. No, no, no. Okay, yeah, you know, I had a kind of a tie in my mind. It was between Kentucky and Georgia. Yeah, okay. And yeah. I didn't know if that was just bias because those are the games I watch in my house. Right. <laughs> but I think that that's true. You know, I think you make really good points about Kentucky that they are finally kind of Tennessee's lowered and Kentucky's yeah. come up and right. they're kind of meeting in they're the middle. They're kind of in the middle of the SEC. Right. Yeah. It's like Ben Affleck. And Anna Dare Moss, like he's lowering his, and she's kind of coming up in fame. It's a perfect metaphor. Uh, but then Georgia, I feel like ten, it's different. I feel like Tennessee is the thorn in their side. It's the stepbrother that just won't, that just kind of comes up and does stupid stuff, like, like, of course, <laughs> like the 2016. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. You make really good points with that. So yeah, and I think if they can get to the point where let's like take like the next six years split with Florida, but I don't see that happening right. because I think in my head, again, this is me, child of the '90s, Tennessee, Florida were the top two, mm-hmm. and, and th- that should be their top rival. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's just not it's not that way. Bush Jones got the one win over them, and it's 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 crazy since 2004. Well, since 2006, they have beaten Florida and Bama a grand total once. Yeah. And I think that is, that's all you need to know about where the program is right, right. now. Right. So let's look to the future. Yes. I feel like because, to end with hope Yes. Here. Is there hope? I think there is. Okay. I think that they're starting from scratch. You know, I think right. if you look at it that way, like I mentioned before, the phoenix rising from the ashes, you can have a lot of hope in Tennessee, but you can't have hope for maybe next year. So if you got to do the work. You got to have the year that might not look stellar. So, when looking at their schedule for next year, mm-hmm. what do you think is a reasonable win total? Six. Yeah, that's what I came up with. Yeah, I feel well. I feel so. Their non-conference, they play 
Like, they do not have a challenge in non-conference, okay. which I think is good for them. Yes. That Pittsburgh is the team, they, the Johnny Majors Bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Pitt is the one team, they play Bowling Green on a Thursday night, so they better not lose the Bowling Green on, like, when everybody's yeah. watching on the Thursday night to start the season. And they play Pitt, and they have two other, like, lower uh, teams. I think they got to win all four of those. Right. I think that if you're going to have any momentum, you got to win those four games. Um, and then they – like you've got Vandy again, well, got Vandy's gonna of, be down. You got, South Carolina's say, you've got, gonna be down. You got a lot of SEC teams that are kind of starting from scratch too. Right, and and the good thing for them is Vandy and South Carolina both are at home. Mm-hmm. So here's the thing: if you're Tennessee, you win those four games, you win those two, you six, you're going to a bowl. Right. And I feel like that if you can get to a bowl game after you know not getting to go to a bowl last year because mm-hmm. of COVID, I think that qualifies as a good year. I think the other thing that they need to do is they need to look good while they do it. They got some. They got a lot of depth at quarterback, and we'll mm-hmm. talk about that more later. But they got some options. They got a transfer from Virginia Tech, uh, who's a veteran player. They've got a transfer from Michigan, who's a strong player. They got Harrison Bailey, who's highly front regarded. runner right now. Marietta, right? Uh, to our high school, right? So like, they have options at quarterback if they can get folks to catch the ball. Um, they could have a, a, a good offense. Can they stop anybody? We'll see. Um, I think also, like, program-wise, just morale. They're alternate. Uh, you know, they play Alabama every year. Right. In the West, and, and they'll go to Tuscaloosa this year. So, like, peace be with you. But they play Ole Miss at home. Mm. If they could beat Lane Kiffin, even though I think Ole Miss will score 80 points on them. Right. But if they can beat... Ole Miss, I think, even if they don't get to a bowl, I think if they can win one of those, the the Ole Miss, and then let's say you you pull off an upset somewhere. Like I don't think Bama and Georgia they're going to do. Let's say they they let's say they play Florida. They play Florida. They, it's in the swamp. So if they were to go down to the swamp and win, that's a massive win, and it's something that Hypo can hold on to. So I think you're right. I think they're in a position where it's like. You're at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Let's celebrate the little things. And I think the big story, like I talked about, is Tennessee fans have to be patient. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's going to be, you know, I think you, you can't get three years in and maybe you've gone six wins, five wins, six wins, and be like, it's over. Yeah. Because you are not an elite program anymore. Right. Right. And I think, you know, you and I have talked about this a lot and maybe we'll talk more about this on the podcast is the impact of this transfer portal, how it's changing the way these coaches coach and recruit and like manage their roster and players. And so I feel like maybe this is coming at a good time. Like a lot of other programs are kind of maybe internally scrambling, maybe not top tier programs, but mid tier where Tennessee is, they're kind of scrambling being like, how do I keep these kids from just, piecing out or like keeping that back card that card in their pocket that's like I could leave at any time. Right. Um so I feel like a lot of teams are figuring this out even if they don't have new coaches, new programs and stuff. So this might be this might be a good time for them, you know? Yeah, uh you know they lost um they lost their best defensive player in the portal already. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that... Uh, Sounds like Star Trek. They lost him in yeah, the Yeah, they lost him in the portal. <laughs> Just went to space. Um, yeah, I I think that uh, they're going to have to... They're going to have to figure out how to, first of all... Um, they It's, you know, any national prospect in, in Tennessee, uh, they're going to have to keep them. Mm-hmm. You know, Memphis is 
doing well. That's mm-hmm. a successful program right now. Uh, so if you're Tennessee, how do you keep that, that elite talent in state? Because there's a set of twins in the Nashville area committed to Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, four stars. You can't let that happen. Mm-hmm. You, you can't let talent that's in, say, um, you know, around the Memphis area. You can't let Ole Miss and Arkansas. You got to defend your home turf. So um, otherwise, maybe you do build up through the the portal. Mm -hmm. Uh, So these are all challenges they're going to have to face. I want to give a shout out, though, to a book that I read earlier this year that really gives, and there's so much more like little episodes uh, of events, particularly that coaching search in 20, Mm I want to say 2018, maybe 2017. For uh, for that ended with Jeremy Pruitt, um, there's so much more that you can look into. But there's a book that I read that was fantastic. It was by a writer named Mark Nagy, N-A-G-I. I hope I pronounced that right. Uh, the the book is called Decade of Dysfunction: The Road to Tennessee's Crazy Coaching Search, mm-hmm. and it 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 does a great job of charting the program from Fulmer all the way through the 2000s. And very in depth. This was a beat writer for Tennessee for many years. So he offers many stories, insights about, you know, what kind of has happened over the last 10 years to kind of set up the the craziness that has been Tennessee football. So there's a little light reading for you this summer. That's right. A little homework assignment that you can do about it. Just give a shout out to that book because I, I thought it was, it was fascinating. And yes. really, you know, credit. Here's the thing about Tennessee football fans. The passion is they, they are arguably the most passionate uh, to a fault fans in college football. Mm-hmm. You know, Tennessee as a state, Tennessee football was the it was the number one priority mm-hmm. for a long time and probably still is. They didn't have the state didn't have a pro franchise until the late nineties. Right. They picked up like three very quickly. Uh, but there's so many states in the South that, that are in that same boat, right? Alabama, Arkansas, Kentucky, mm-hmm. uh, South Carolina that don't have uh, pro pro franchises of any sport and it's so cool to see how the state's culture revolves around that college football program and tennessee fans for their passion deserve a better program than they've had the last 10 years that's right uh so we're in the college football fan of me college football is better when tennessee is good right um College football is better with Notre Dame, and Nebraska, and Southern Cal, Miami. These programs, the last when well, Notre Dame's been good, but these programs in the last 10, 15 years, traditional powers that have been down. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tennessee is the SEC's version of that, and, right? And I think that it, football will be better with them uh, back in a better position. So we're, um, you know, ending with hope here. Yes, hope for the program. Hope for Tennessee until you lose the Bowling Green in Week One, then we all laugh at you. So, oh man, well, I know we no, turn real fast. We here, did turn. That's we? what we do. Uh, next up, LSU. That's right. It's going to be fun. Go down south, see Coach O. I'm going to do my Coach O impression. We're going to talk like him for the whole podcast. It's going to be fun. Okay, we'll talk about that if you do that. Yeah, we'll plan that. I don't know if I really agree with that. We'll plan that out a little bit. All right. Well, this uh, this has been good. Good times. We'll be back next time. I'm Ben. And I'm Brittany. And this has been You, Me, and the SEC. Bye.